Good afternoon. This is Ozarks at Large for Tuesday, December 14th, 2021 on your public radio station, KUAF 91.3. We are a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm Kyle Kellams. On today's show, our book suggestions for holiday giving and holiday reading continue. Yeah, so this is an illustrated um, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. The first four books are illustrated, um, so they're out now. But um, the fifth one, I think, is coming next year sometime. So Jim Kay illustrated these. They're, they're really beautiful. They're painted illustrations in full color. Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore talks with Pearl's Books, an independent bookseller in Fayetteville. Just ahead on Ozarks at Large... Daniel Carruth finds out how the lingering pandemic and other 2021 matters will, or won't, affect transportation this season. That report just ahead in about four minutes on today's Ozarks at Large. The number of Arkansans requiring hospitalization because of COVID-19 is again more than 500. The Arkansas Department of Health is reporting an increase of 24 patients in the last 24 hours and adding another 17 deaths from the disease to the state's total. The number of new cases included in testing on Sunday and calculated on Monday was 275, and the number of active cases in the state decreased by nearly 700 in the most recent 24 hours of monitoring. Hospitals in Benton and Washington counties are caring for 69 patients with COVID-19, an increase of seven patients since Friday night. The youngest patient is 19 years of age, the oldest is 90, And the average age of a hospital patient with the virus in Northwest Arkansas hospitals is 45. There were 44 new cases of COVID-19 diagnosed in the two counties in the most recent 24 hours of testing. With COVID-19 cases rising again around the country, Governor Asa Hutchinson says government vaccine mandates will do more harm than good. During a debate with New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio on CNN's State of the Union this weekend, Governor Hutchinson said mandates are counterproductive because they make people more resistant to getting vaccinated. To put the mandate in is unprecedented. It's going to cause hardship and it's going to cause division in our country, as you can already see. And so that's the reason I think the mandates take us the wrong direction. According to the Arkansas Department of Health, nearly 52 percent of Arkansans are fully vaccinated. Mayor de Blasio said mandates imposed in New York City which began requiring proof of vaccination for indoor dining, entertainment, and fitness venues several months ago, have proven to raise vaccination rates. Since I put mandates in place in New York City starting in August, we've seen over a million more doses, Uh, 71% of our people fully vaccinated. Last week, Mayor de Blasio announced a new mandate requiring all private sector workers to be vaccinated by December 27th. Arkansas is among the states suing the federal government to stop a federal vaccine requirement for health care workers. Today is Election Day for a small slice of northwest Arkansas. Party primaries for state Senate seat 7 are today after a week of early voting. The seat is vacant after former state Senator Lance Eads resigned to devote time to a job in the private sector. Any party primary runoff would be held next month with the general election date set for February 8th. At the end of the early voting period last night, fewer than 400 district voters in and around Springdale had cast primary votes. Polls remain open until 7.30 tonight. The Arkansas Department of Agriculture says an effort to collect unwanted pesticides in western Arkansas netted nearly 86,000 pounds of pesticides. The Agricultural Abandoned Pesticide Program operated in 13 counties, mostly in the Arkansas River Valley in western Arkansas this year, and accepted unwanted or outdated pesticides from farmers and non-industrial landowners. The program has, since 2005, held collection events in every county in the state and collected more than 5.3 million pounds of pesticides in those 16 years. And a Rogers native and former University of Arkansas golfer is joining the LPGA Tour next year. Brooke Matthews qualified for the tour at the LPGA Q Series in Alabama. She'll be one of five former Arkansas women golfers on the tour in 2022.
Good Tuesday. This is Ozarks at Large. As COVID-19 cases continue to spread in Arkansas and the Omicron variant causes looming uncertainty, holiday travel is undeterred and expected to reach near pre-pandemic levels. With Christmas just two weeks away, Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth checks in on what travelers should expect through the end of 2021. More than 109 million people are expected to travel 50 miles or more between December 23rd and January 2nd, a nearly 34% increase from last year. That's according to estimates from the American Automobile Association, or AAA. Nick Chabaria, a spokesperson for AAA, says most of that traveling will be by car. Uh, That will certainly be the preferred method of travel, and that's what we've seen throughout much of the pandemic. Um, But again, Kind of the, the, main, uh, the main takeaway is that uh, we expect to see a lot more travelers on the roads and in the skies and elsewhere. And he also says while gas prices have dipped in the past few weeks, those numbers are likely to go up heading into Christmas and New Year's. The average price for regular unleaded in Arkansas is down nearly two cents from last month to $2.94, while the national average is hovering just above $3 per gallon. Last year, the average price of a gallon of gas in the state was $1.90. When we're looking at, at, of course, prices last year, you know, they they really hit uh, historic lows and and more, you know, uh, some of the lowest prices we've seen in in recent decades. Uh, For example, Arkansas prices were under $2 a gallon for uh, nearly 300 consecutive days, which is something that hasn't happened since prices rose above $2 a gallon for the first time in 2005. So, you know, as demand for gasoline has come back, uh, as people travel more, uh, you know, or maybe getting back in the office or going to, going to classes again, uh, that's really what's been driving uh, higher crude oil prices as well. So it's those elevated crude oil prices, which account for about 50 to 60 percent of what drivers pay at the pump, uh, is, is the reason that prices have, have remained elevated and uh, rising since, since, you know, late last year. AAA also predicts a heavy increase in air travel this holiday season, up 184 percent from 2020. Alex English with Northwest Arkansas National Airport says Thanksgiving brought a significant uptick in traffic, just 10 percent below pre-pandemic levels. Slowly but surely, month by month, we are increasing, um, and I think that's as people are more and more comfortable to travel. Uh, So we hope that these numbers and, and, and the holiday uh, travel will just, you know, increase our, our volume and we can start, you know, looking at things prior to to the to the uh, pandemic time. However, a major threat to holiday travel is the possibility of another COVID-19 surge and confusion around the Omicron variant. Omicron has been detected in at least a third of U.S. states, including five of those bordering Arkansas. Now, some people who were starting to feel more comfortable with travel are once again hitting pause. Anna Musgraves, a sales analyst in Fayetteville, spent her Thanksgiving in London and was on the way back to Arkansas when news of the latest variant started to make global headlines. Uh, So I did get the notification that the Omicron variant was uh, detected during my, or while we were in London. So, um... That kind of caused some concern, I guess, in the front end um, as far as like testing and what was going to be required and was worried about like borders shutting down. Um, but as far as what actually happened in the airport, there wasn't anything significantly different. Musgrave says she and her husband are both vaccinated. And before leaving, they made sure to check travel requirements and took measures to mitigate any risks. Out of an abundance of caution, I went ahead and get tested before we left um, just to make sure that we were fine once we arrived. Um, And then from the return to the U.S. standpoint, we had to take a test no more than three days prior to boarding the plane. So I think we took that two days before we left. And in light of the Omicron variant, earlier this month, the White House updated requirements for international travelers. Now passengers, regardless of vaccination status, must present a negative COVID test no more than one day before travel to the United States. While there are no vaccine or testing requirements for domestic travel, English says everyone at XNA and airports across the U.S. must wear a mask. 
when you're coming to the airport, when you're getting on the aircraft, you are expected to wear a face covering the enti- for the entirety of your trip. And English says while people may be more cautious because of the Omicron variant, she doesn't expect that to deter people from flying during the holidays. But Musgraves says her first experience with international travel since the pandemic has made her rethink doing it again. Domestically, I feel fine uh, generally, although, you know, is still exercising that caution. Um, as far as international travel right now, honestly, after having that experience, um, I, as much as I love to travel uh, internationally, I do think that, like, there, since there's a lot of uncertainty and we are learning new things every single day, I feel like it's definitely uncertain on what that looks like for 2022 for us especially with all the requirements and things that you might need coming in and out of the U.S. So. And Nick Chabaria with AAA says, in general, the pandemic has changed how Americans travel. You know, is people really are preferring uh, car travel a little bit more. Uh, We know, of course, you know, when some of those health and safety restrictions were in place last year uh, and folks were maybe taking summer road trips, for example, uh, you know, vehicle travel gives those families or those individuals a lot more control over those health and safety variables that, uh, you know, people are worried about. So, you know, as compared to to maybe flying or, or taking a train or something like that. But he adds the availability of vaccines does add a level of comfort people didn't have this time last year. And English says for anyone taking a trip this holiday season, the most important thing is to know the requirements and restrictions before you go. Travel does look a little different um, and, you know, it depends on where you're going. I definitely encourage people to check out the CDC's travel website. It has a lot of great information and your airline should be able to provide um, some some uh, pretty phenomenal resources as well. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Daniel Carruth. Daniel Carruth files his stories from the Karen Taha News Studio at KUAF. Daniel, by the way, also keeps us up to date on news from around the region every weekday morning at 5.30 and 7.30 during Morning Edition on your public radio station, KUAF. A new study shows LGBTQ youth living in the South face greater threats to their mental health than those in other parts of the country. The report by the nonprofit Trevor Project finds LGBTQ young people in the region are 9% more likely to have attempted suicide in the past year, while nearly half reported that their community was somewhat or very unaccepting. Dr. Maisha Price, senior research scientist at the Trevor Project, says feelings of acceptance directly correlate to better mental health outcomes. In this particular report, we see we see that very clear that LGBTQ youth in the South who report less access to accepting and affirming environments are reporting higher rates of suicide. And we also see the opposite. LGBTQ youth in the South are less likely to attempt suicide when they report feeling affirmed in their sexual orientation or gender identity. The report shows transgender and non-binary youth in the South have lower rates of people in their life respecting their preferred pronouns. Despite the less-than-ideal statistics, Price says it only takes one person to make a difference in the life of an LGBTQ youth. I think sometimes it's a little daunting to hear these numbers and to think like, well, like, that's a lot. I can't change the South, you know, as one person. Um, But one of the things I like to remind people is our findings do show that youth having just one supportive person in their life decreases their odds of suicide by 40 percent. And that's a lot, which is one person. The survey recorded results from over 12,000 LGBTQ young people living in the South over the past year. And by the way, if you or someone you know is struggling with mental health, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. We'll repeat that number again at the end of today's Ozarks at Large. I'm Lisa Mullins. More than 170,000 children in the U.S. have lost a parent or guardian to COVID. Somebody asked me, it was like, how are you dealing with your grandpa's death? Like I say, when I go to school, I have a smile on my face, but that doesn't mean I'm happy. Children and grief, next time on Here and Now. Here and Now, this afternoon from 1 to 3 on KUAF. And you can always listen to us by asking your smart speaker to please play. KUAF. Thank you, KUAF contributors, for helping us end our calendar year strong. 
with your help during last week's Season of Giving fundraiser. We will continue to bring you great radio in 2022 with you as our partners. We couldn't do this without you. So once again, thank you. Now, if you've considered learning the flute but thought, you know what, I'm a beginner, well, the Museum of Native American History in Bentonville is here for you, like here for you this weekend. Mona is hosting Gabby Nagel, flutist, as part of the museum's Creative Visions workshop series. She's going to lead a class Saturday afternoon at 2, and the class will be a beginner's-level class. You can bring your own flute or purchase one at the museum. You do need to register in advance either at the Mona website, mona.us, or by going through Eventbrite. Gabby was first introduced to the Native American-style flute when she was 10 years old after she picked up an instrument at an event in Fayetteville. Since she's competed in and won events around the country. If you plan to participate Saturday afternoon, bring your proof of vaccination. And if you're just going to observe, well, bring your mask or face covering. More details at Mona.us. That's M-O-N-A-H dot U-S. Aurora, Arkansas' statewide organ and tissue recovery and registry agency, is a lifeline for the 100,000-plus Americans and 300-plus Arkansans waiting for an organ transplant. The simple act of registering to become an organ and tissue donor is available at the DMV, online at aurora.org, and on smartphone health apps, A-R-O-R-A dot org, for more information. A pleasant Tuesday to you. A reminder that you can share anything you hear on Ozarks at Large with friends through social media or through email. Just go to OzarksAtLarge.com, look for the story or interview you want to share, and then use the link associated with that story on our website and share away. And by the way, you never have to miss an edition of Ozarks at Large. Each of our daily shows available when you subscribe or download the podcast of Ozarks at Large. It's free through all major podcast distributors. This is Ozarks at Large. This holiday season, we're here to help you out with some book gift guides for the adults and the children in your life. Yesterday, we heard from Two Friends Book in Bentonville. Today, we hear from Daniel Jordan, one of the owners of Pearl's Books in Fayetteville. Daniel recently sat down with Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore to talk through a few different categories of books to give as gifts this season. So we've got three different categories that we're working with here. Let's start with what is probably going to be the heaviest, literally, because the books are the heaviest. Yeah. Let's start with the coffee table books for our listeners. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I have three here. One, probably my favorite of them all is the Square Book, um, and this is by Anthony Wapple and J.B. Hogan. It, they're both Fayetteville locals, um, and this is the illustrated history of the Square, Fayetteville Square. Mm. So... Um, it goes from 1828 to 2016, so it's a few years old, but the book has, like, taken off in our store mm-hmm. and done really well. And I think it's because, you know, we're, we are just off the square, and it really is super cool to see some of the pictures of what what the square looked like, you know, in the 1800s and, wow. and how some of those buildings are still standing today, and it's kind of incredible to think how well-constructed some of those are, but... Yeah, it's really cool to see kind of, um, you know, the evolution of, of our town and the heart of the town. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because, you know, as as cities get newer, we start to move away from city squares yeah. in, in a lot of, like, modern cities. Do you think that this gives you an appreciation for the city square in a, in a way that maybe you wouldn't if you just were, especially if you're a transplant to Fayetteville? Um, this kind of gives you a little bit of an insight into like the history and the lore of the city, right? Yeah, totally. And and it especially gives me an appreciation for where our shop is on mm. Center Street. Um, I learned in this book that Center used to be Main, Main Street. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Center Street was also called Smoky Row at one point, too, because mm. there were cigar shops on the street. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, it's super cool thinking about how how storied the history of Fayetteville is, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so we've got two more here. Let's go to another one. Yeah, so Gastro Obscura. This is a really fun one. Yes. Um, it's a food adventurer's guide. This is from the family of folks who do Atlas Obscura, That's right? right. Yep, yep. And this is totally focused on food. Yeah, one of the things 
that they mention in, in their author's note is that there's like no faster way to get to the heart of who a people are um, than to experience their food. Mm. So, you know, this book has a lot of bizarre things in it, but more so than that, I think it's it really is just um, a way to appreciate different cultures and, and um, the type of food that makes them who they are. There's also some, some really cool tidbits. There's uh, some food museums in Europe that they mm-hmm. highlight. One of them is the Baked Bean Museum of Excellence oh. in Wales. <laughs> which I just thought was hilarious. Yes, I think that's going to be <laughs> next on my trip. Yeah. This feels, if you're the kind of person who loved Anthony Bourdain's show, yes. this feels right up your alley, right? That's, I wrote that down. That's exactly right. I was I was planning to mention that. Yeah, this is uh, great for fans of Anthony Bourdain. That's, yeah. that's wonderful. Okay, and then we've got one more here. This is the one that's really catching my eye here. Yeah. Uh, tell us about this one. Yeah, this is Get Back. So the, the Beatles also put together a book kind of as a companion to the uh, the show that's on Disney Plus right now. So for, for some of the book, it's it's kind of a transcript of the show. Mm. So you have um, the conversations kind of written out, but with pictures as well. But the pictures themselves are really beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's a perfect coffee table size book too. But there's an intro um, by Peter Jackson that goes into a lot of detail of like his experience too, putting together the films um, or the film. But yeah, great for fans of the Beatles for sure. Um, and if you like the show, you'll like the book um, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of just like you see throughout the film them taking photos, and it seems yeah. like this is kind of yep. where the the photos came to live in this book. Yeah. Um, and a lot of just you know very nitty gritty details about this experience that the Beatles were going through. Yeah, so. the whole the whole um, nasty process of making an album. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's fantastic. Okay, so those are our coffee table books. Let's talk about young readers. Um, we've got some suggestions for them as well. Yeah, so the Story Orchestra is kind of a series of, of books that Jessica Courtney Tickle wrote or uh, illustrated, and they were the, the stories were adapted by Katie Flint, but there's five of them that we have in the shop, Magic Flute, Carnival of the Animals, Four Seasons, Nutcracker, and Swan Lake. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they tell a little story, but along with the story, there's places to press and hear kind of snippets of the the piece of – yeah, the piece of music that it comes from. So so this one that I have here is a magic flute. You can literally press in the book? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. So throughout the story, you know, you press and, and hear like a 10-second clip. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the very back, too, there's it, it kind of goes into some more detail of what the different pieces are um, and what's going on in the story. And then there's a kind of a glossary to learn about different musical terms, and then you can learn more about the composer as well. I really like it. I mean, our 5-year-old loves it. <laughs> um, and it's going to be something that she can kind of grow up with, too, and learn a little bit more um, about music and classical music specifically. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool. They're beautiful books, too. I might have to get that. I've got a 5-year-old niece who is obsessed with music. So yeah. that's, a, that's an awesome, awesome suggestion. Okay, what else do we have? Yeah, I have a triangle here. Um, Mac Barnett and John Classen are some of my favorite children's book writers and illustrators. There's actually a, a square book and a, tri- a circle book as well. So the cast of characters in this is triangle and square. Mm. And they're kind of just playing tricks on each other. Um, so it's really fun to read out loud. Um, the illustrations are also really cool. They're watercolor, um, grayscale, so they're very minimal, yeah. minimalist. Um, but... Yeah, I, I just love reading this book out loud. It, it cracks me up, um, and so that that makes my daughter laugh too. Yeah, and it's it's great when it's great when a, a children's piece of media can speak to to the adults who have to oh, yeah. ingest it as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not it's not one of those that you roll your eyes when your kid asks you to read it. It's a fun one. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Okay, then we have this last one here. This one is awesome. Yeah, so this is an illustrated um, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. The first four books are illustrated, um, so they're out now. But um, the fifth one, I think, is coming next year sometime. Mm-hmm. So 
Jim Kay illustrated these. They're they're really beautiful. They're painted illustrations in full color. Um, the book itself is a little bit bigger than a piece of paper, so you know it's kind of coffee coffee table size yeah. too. But um, it's the full book, but with illustrations on about every other page. Mm. You get um, some really cool illustrations, kind of just illustrating what's going on in the story. Really great. I mean, for fans of of the series, uh, you know, if 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 you're going to start the collection. Um, yeah, now's the time because they're, they're going to be incrementally coming out with the rest of them too. Yeah. Um, it's not overly illustrated at all. There are pages, you know, that are the full the full text. The illustrations, I think, are a great supplement. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. then we have a third category here. What are we calling this category? Um, we're calling this miscellaneous okay. adult books. Great. Um, and speaking of illustrated editions, the, the, I have the illustrated Lord of the Rings. So, And this is illustrated by the author, mm. J.R.R. Tolkien. So it's a very big book because mm-hmm. it's all three and one and there's some there's maps that that Tolkien illustrated as well that are really cool um the the book itself is just beautiful to look at right on the side here on the what, what do you call this part of the book just the reverse of the spine essentially yeah the page the page side yes <laughs> yes yeah it's got the I think it's the elvish, elvish language yes yeah. yeah the elvish script on the side um so that's really beautiful too. It's got a ribbon bookmark, you know. Like this is this is really great for um, collectors and um, folks that are that are big Lord of the Rings fans. And and we do have uh, some some other kind of gift items along with Lord of the Rings are, are related that are from Shire Post Mint in yes. West Fork, and they have some coins that are um, that are you know from Lord of the Rings, and um, that's super cool to see like that part of the story come to life in like a physical yes. uh, item. And and I feel like as as we get older as adults, it gets harder to shop for people. Yeah. And and if you know someone is a fan of the Lord of the Rings, like just getting them a normal book is one thing, but yeah. getting them something that's incredibly intentional, very beautifully illustrated by J.R.R. Tolkien himself, yeah. coins to go along with it. These are really like meaningful gifts yes. to give to your friends and family. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I agree with you. It is it is it is harder and harder to shop for for adults, but th- I think this is a good a great gift for yeah, a, a Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, next book we have here. Yeah, The Ghost Variations um, by Kevin Brockmeyer. And Kevin Brockmeyer is from Little Rock. Okay. Um, so he's local to, to Arkansas. Um, this is a collection of 100 ghost stories. They're all two pages each. Um, so it's like microfiction is yeah. the, the little subgenre. But they're beautiful stories. They're Some of them are funny, um, like laugh out loud funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are scary, but they're all like, very moving and very um, focused on the human experience. Um, it's amazing what he can do in, in two pages. And he came in and had an event at our shop at the end of October um, and talked about the process of writing this book. And for him, he had to keep the the um, the stories all to one manuscript page. Mm. Um, so there was like you know, a very exact process for, right. for the length of each of these stories. And I was really impressed that he pulled it off as well as he did. Um, I love this book. And it, and it because it's two pages, they're two pages each, you know, it's very easy to pick up and set down. Mm-hmm. There's not like a flow through. Um, so this is this would be good for folks that maybe don't read as much. Right. Or, 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 you know. This sounds up my alley. I love I love the idea of reading, but I have yeah. a hard time hanging on to a book once I yeah. start it. This sounds great because it's, you know, you're only committing to two pages at a time. Right. You can read, read literally just two pages and feel <laughs> like a satisfying beginning, middle, and end to the story. Or you can read, you know, several at one, right. in one sitting or whatever. But, yeah, I, I, I'm really enjoying – I'm reading through it now. I'm um, about two-thirds of the way through, and I'm – Loving it. Yeah, it's so good. That's fantastic. Okay, and then our last book here. Yeah, this is uh, The Vapors by David Hill. The subtitle of this book is A Southern Family, The New York Mob, and the Rise and Fall of Hot Springs, America's Forgotten Capital of Vice. So, yeah, very spicy subtitle. Yes, Um, But it's a super cool book. David is from Hot Springs, Mm -hmm. so um, there's some memoir kind of threaded through the book as well. But it's great for history buffs, you know, folks who are interested in especially local history. Mm-hmm. It came out last year, and it was, I mean, New York Times Notable Book of the Year for 2020, which is really cool. But, yeah, super fun book, um, too. I mean, just to, to learn about all of the 
shady stuff that that went down. Right. It feels like if you're the kind of person who loves true crime podcasts, you love that kind of vibe that like this is a really good manifestation of that in print. Yes. And it's local. Yeah, yeah. That's the coolest thing about it, you know, that it's in Hot Springs just down the road. That's awesome. Um, Daniel, tell us a little bit about where people can find you online, where they can come into your shop, and uh, and how they can get these books. Yeah, yeah. So we're on um, Center Street, like I said, just across from Taste of Thai and Petra Cafe. So we're open, yeah, 10 to 6, Monday through Thursday. Um, we're open late on Friday and Saturday until 8 o'clock, and then Sunday, 11 to 3. Yeah, we're on we're on bookshop.org is where you can shop online with us, um, bookshop.org slash Pearl's Books. But for shopping in the store, um, yeah, we love we love seeing folks in the store. It's been so much fun uh, meeting meeting uh, new customers and new friends uh, as we've opened the store. So yeah. awesome, fantastic, Daniel. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. It was awesome. good to be here. You can find all of those recommendations for Pearl's Books on our website at ozarksatlarge.com. And yesterday, in case you missed it, Matthew Moore talked with an owner from. Two Friends Books in Bentonville. You can access that conversation and find all the links to those books by going to ozarksatlarge.com. Despite recent rain, the western United States is in a decades-long mega drought, dropping reservoirs to record lows. And the last time this span was out, Neil Armstrong hadn't walked on the moon yet. We take a trip through what's been revealed, America's lost national park. That story this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. All Things Considered, today from 3 to 6 on your radio station, KUAF. The annual cruises on Beaver Lake to search for bald eagles are back beginning this month. The next such trip, taking off from Hobbs Day Park, is Saturday with another opportunity on Sunday. Between now and the end of February, there are 28 Bald Eagle Cruises. Tickets are $15 for adults, $7.50 for children. Each tour leaves the Rocky Branch Marina at 3.30 sharp. You can make reservations and inquire about other dates at 789-5000. And while you can see bald eagles on Beaver Lake any time of year, mid-December to the end of February, the most likely chance you'll have to see eagles there. A holiday tradition continues Sunday evening on Arkansas PBS. A Charlie Brown Christmas will air 6.30 Sunday evening. And this is broadcast only, no streaming. Before Charlie Brown begins his annual search for the Christmas spirit, Arkansas PBS will also show another animated holiday special, The Clown by Quentin Black. It's about a toy clown who, after being tossed aside, seeks another home during the holiday season. That begins at 6, Sunday night, also on Arkansas PBS. And each production of A Theater Squared's A Christmas Carol from now until December 26th will include $10 orchestra tickets. The tickets, 50 for each show, are being made possible through support from the Walmart Foundation. $10 tickets can be reserved on a first-come, first-served basis through online or phone reservations through the usual Theater Squared outlets. A Christmas Carol is on stage in the new Fayetteville Public Library Event Center in downtown Fayetteville. And this year, the American Red Cross is heading into the holidays with its lowest blood supply in more than a decade. Red Cross asking those who are eligible to give blood to help make sure patients can enjoy all that this season has to offer. And as a thank you, everybody who gives blood through December 16th, that's later this week, will be automatically entered for a chance to win a private screening of the new film, The Matrix Resurrections, along with 50 of their guests. If you'd like to know more, redcross.org. And the Black Action Collective continues its partnership with many community groups to host the warm-up Fayetteville Coat Drive through the end of this month. New and good-conditioned coats, hats, gloves, scarves, and blankets are being collected and distributed to Fayetteville Public School students, Seven Hills Homeless Center, and New Beginnings Northwest Arkansas. If you'd like to find a list of drop-off locations, you can go online to bacnwa.org. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. This is Ozarks at Large. Fayetteville musician Chris Maston has been on our show before. And you might have seen him play drums, bass, or guitar in a number of local bands pre-pandemic. When he performs his own music, he does so under the stage name John Charles. Last month, he released the first album under that stage name, titled Around. 
after an incubation process that lasted a number of years. Mastin recently sat down with Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis inside the Herald and Blanchcock News Studio at KUAF to talk about the new album. What was the process like in putting this album together? You said it took 10 years? Well, it's not like I was working on it consistently. Right, 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 right. Ten, uh, ten years of kind of being pretty lazy about it, <laughs> okay. to be honest. Okay. Uh, and doing other projects. But right. basically, uh, you know, I kind of had uh, to use the technology I had. So I only had one microphone initially, so I'd have to record everything with just one mic at the houses and or apartments I lived in. And then try to EQ it and make it sound better later. And then, you know, finish writing the songs too, which uh, is easier said than done. And there are tons of just horrible versions of the songs too. But yeah, uh, basically just tinkering with it and deciding which ones I hated the least. (laughs) Deciding that maybe I didn't need to do a left and right tambourine take on every song. (laughs) Or maybe I didn't need, uh, you know, 15 ahs yeah. in the background of the chorus. But, you know, I needed like 10. What kind of sound were you going for? What style? Uh, well, it's sort of, i say like kind of Johnny Cash uh, with like some kind of Brit pop, maybe. I like some rockabilly with some Brit pop kind of sound slash using as few chords as possible yeah. <laughs> initially and with uh, lots of harmonies and you know all that stuff and just really letting myself do whatever I wanted because really the idea was like I was in other bands and I really just wanted to kind of do whatever I wanted to do yeah. and then it was kind of just like a pet project for a long time and then it became the thing that was more important to me than other music I'd made so right. which is kind of where it is now and originally I was going to do 13 songs, I believe, but I ended up just cutting it in half because part of them were recorded a really long time ago, and then the newer ones sounded too different. But those are almost done, and I'll be releasing like another, the oh. second half of this probably in okay. the next probably a couple of months. You play multiple instruments. I know you've played drums, bass, guitar, and different bands that I've seen. You recorded all the parts on this, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I recorded all of the parts. <laughs> How challenging was that to, like, write and record everything, like multiple instruments? Sometimes it's easier than dealing with a band, to be honest. <laughs> but you have to deal with yourself. Uh, but really, basically, it's just try to simplify. I would try to kind of create, like, a baseline structure for everything that was pretty simple. Yeah. And then just build stuff on top of that because uh, it's really easy to get off somewhere. And I think if it's simpler and short, the song tends to have more, like it's more re-listenable, I I guess, in a way. But but a lot of it was, you know, me doing takes of guitar by myself just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds (laughs) of times. And then drums and, you know, I did a lot of the drums uh, individually. So I had a whole track of kick and then a whole track of snare and then a hi-hat track like separately, mm-hmm. which was maddening. I don't know why. <laughs> I just had one microphone, so that's what I did. But uh, <laughs> that was pretty much a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, just like playing just the kick on a track like over and over again, it seems like that would get dull. Yeah, dull is one way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> Frustrating. But I also think, like, it makes you really think about every beat you put in there more. It's not so different from, you know, structuring out your beat using Fruit Loops or something like that. I mean, just kind of actually recording it and doing it. Uh, It's the same idea, but I I kind of – I liked the control that you have over the song and kind of where the song's going to go instead of just – you know, it's less organic, I guess, but yeah. it fits the song better. Well, it's funny because it reminds me of something you've been doing for at least the last year. Uh, on social media, you've been posting these songs that you multi-track in video. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, exactly like that. So yeah. so did that prepare you for putting this, putting the finishing touches on this? Well, I, guess, I mean, I guess I just did what I did do in recordings. I just started doing that on video since we couldn't play music anywhere and right. I was kind of bored and... Didn't want to be working on this thing I should have been trying to finish. And I wanted to make, you know, uh, songs about 
farts or whatever I make. So right, right. On there. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's essentially that's the same thing. Um, and that's all, you know, I have to do that kind of in my apartment, hoping that my neighbor doesn't hate me <laughs> the whole time. It's always the challenge of music in an apartment. It sure is. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I'm sorry to anyone who's ever had to live next to me. I, I apologize. What, what made you want to finally put out an album now? Because I finally finished it, I guess. Fair. Which, you know, I really wanted to have a band play the songs and do like a full album release, but it's just really hard to figure out where, where to do that right now. And I just had been sitting on it, and I really wanted to just kind of move on to something else, which I felt mm-hmm. this was impeding me. And I also want to finish the second part. But, yeah, I just seemed, it just felt like the right kind of time to do that. And um, I, I've really only been playing shows like acoustically when I when I do that. So I'm trying to get a band together for whenever we can do that again. I don't know. I mean, I know we right. there are shows happening, so I don't know. It's just the whole landscape's totally different than yeah. how I used to feel comfortable in it. So if you had to pick a track off of this album, not necessarily as a favorite, but one that you just like really like and that you're not frustrated and tired of yet, what would it be? Oh, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I do love all the songs. I'm actually happy with them. That's when I decided to actually release them. But um, I think similar to Rain, that one, you know, lyrically I relate to a lot, obviously, because, <laughs> I mean, I made it or whatever. But uh, I, it still resonates with me, even though, you know, I wrote it when I was like 24 or whatever. was the song Similar Terrain from the album Around by John Charles. Chris Maston spoke with Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis last month. You can find the album at John Charles One. That's the number one dot bandcamp.com. John Charles One dot bandcamp.com. This is Ozarks at Large. For over a decade, KUAF's Giving Tree program has benefited dozens of nonprofits that need our help in all of our communities. But possibly more important than helping bring in donations to these groups, the Giving Tree has raised awareness of so many issues in our area that need our attention. In this season of giving, we're helping out two groups, Peace at Home Family Shelter and the Magdalene Serenity House. 
We'll be hearing from both all throughout December and ways that you can help out. You can also go to our website, KUAF.com, click on the Giving Tree, and learn how you can directly benefit these groups. The Giving Tree and KUAF Public Radio, local matters. The deadline to nominate somebody as an Arkansas living treasure is approaching. The Arkansas Living Treasure designation is given to master craftspeople in Arkansas who continue to practice their art. Songwriting, log cabin construction, woodworking, metal arts, dance, bladesmithing, any discipline that has a connection to the past and to the state's diverse culture. And these craftspeople continue to teach, mentor, and share their talent. You can learn more and make your nomination by following links connected to Arkansas Living Treasure at ArkansasHeritage.com. And your deadline to see the Among Beasts exhibition of art at the Sugar Gallery, also approaching. The work includes takes, both literal and abstract, about beasts and animal-like forms. Closing reception is December 16th. That's Thursday from 7 to 9 that night. The gallery at 1 East Center Street in Fayetteville. You can find out more about the artwork, the exhibit, and how to schedule viewing of the art by going to Sugar Gallery. KUAF is supported by Merton's Eye and Optical, a full-service eyewear boutique in Fayetteville offering comprehensive eye exams, contact lenses, and a thoughtfully curated collection of luxury eyewear and sunglasses. More information on services and exclusive eyewear lines at mertonseye.com. This is Ozarks at Large. Later this week on our show, the latest in the ongoing podcast series, Reflections, with co-hosts Leah Uribe and Lee Wood and their guests. The podcast is dedicated, much like Leah Uribe's regular Thursday series on Ozark called Sound Perimeter, to expanding how we experience and think about music. Last week, I talked with Leah via Zoom to get a quick preview of this latest version of Reflections. She says this newest episode shares the same spirit as the first episodes. She says that very first Reflections episode that we heard on our show last year, featured the musicians who developed Sing for Hope, a concept born in the aftermath of the terrorist attacks of 9-11. It was such a beautiful way to find out at the time when they were students at Juilliard that music has that power to heal. So they will go to the fire station close to Juilliard, which was also the first responders to 9-11, to go sing and provide some solace to the firefighters and people around while they were still going uh, through the, um, through the um, scene. So um, they came to us in 2020 to uh, give masterclass to our voice students at the University of Arkansas and also to speak about of the project. And uh, very important to us at the moment because we were, we were at the very end of 2020 mm-hmm. and um, you know experiencing the pandemic and trying to figure out what our role was and what uh, could we do, how can we... How could we help ourselves and help others and, you know, uh, continue singing? And that was really a life-changing experience for many of us. The second iteration of Reflections happened in the spring of 2021, and we invited the Imani Winds. Uh, Imani Winds, uh, the first African-American at the, at the time, um, chamber music ensemble that devoted their lives to just chamber music. Usually in classical music, we have to do many things. We, we play in orchestras, we teach. Uh, if we're lucky, we play chamber music, but they just left everything uh, to just go and advocate for uh, their ensemble. They're all um, excellent musicians. At the time, they were students as well. And um, at the top of their mission was to perform and introduce to the audiences music by African-American composers. So um, they came to us as well to talk about social justice and creative justice and the work that they have done through these 25 years and um, to inspire us to advocate for, uh, you know, uh, rebalancing this world of classical music. And we just um, uh, had the beginning of our third iteration of Reflections which was a really interesting idea from the team to bring to the forefront conversations about reconciliation and peace building. And for that, we invited Anna Baer, which is a professor at Texas State University that has done a lot of uh, film and dance and projects uh, representing especially women uh, and femicide and violence and uh, among many other things, also um, 
music for uh, or dance and music for uh, people with disabilities. Uh, we also invited Cesar Lopez, which is an activist and uh, peace justice warrior from Colombia and that uh, is known for the creation of an instrument called the Escopetarra, which is a transformation of a uh, AK-45 rifle into a guitar. And symbolically what it re represents is to use, um, you know, an instrument that has been used for violence and, the, you know, transformation into a music to uh, an instrument to make music. And then Dr. Luis Restrepo, one of our professors who teaches about human rights and has done a lot of research on the power of poetry and literature uh, into just connecting at that level of what it means to advocate for peace through uh, those expressions, uh, not only just showing back to people what violence could do and does for humanity, but also uh, to invite them to take a, a you know, Role into the thinking and reimagining um, the uh, value of all lives and and the humans behind all of these uh, different characters, both that generate violence and the uh, that are affected by violence and that advocate for no violence. Leah Uribe is a musician, writer, associate professor of bassoon at the University of Arkansas, host of Sound Perimeter on Thursday editions of Ozarks at Large, and the driving force behind the Reflections podcast. We'll hear the latest Reflections podcast split across two of our shows this week on the Thursday and Friday editions of Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. each day on KUAF. You can also listen to our show as a podcast through any major podcast distributor. And as long as we're on the subject of podcasts, tomorrow on Ozarks, we talk with Dr. Karee Banton, the director of African and African-American studies at the U of A, about the first season of the podcast Undisciplined a collaboration between Karee, her department, and KUAF, and produced by Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore. She says the first season, wrapping up with an episode this week, has delivered the kinds of conversations she was looking for. And I believe we started out by talking about that pursuing black studies, right, or African and African-American studies, um, gaining that knowledge, that using that undisciplined approach, right, we're very much an interdisciplinary program, right, is, is to help prepare people, you know, the students we teach, the faculty who we have, to examine and explore and analyze um, experiences, um, of African-descended people from a variety of perspective. Gree Banton talks with me about the cross-pollination between African and African-American studies and, well, almost everything. That's on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large on your public radio station, KUAF. Hi, Scott Simon here. Shoulder pads, flip phones, the Macarena. They arrived unannounced. They went everywhere for a little while, and they got replaced by the next big thing. Well, something that's only kept growing for 50 years is NPR and its network of stations, like this one. Because two things that will never grow out of style are compelling stories and reliable journalism. Much as I miss hammer pants. And this is your public radio station and your home for NPR programs for the past 36 years. KUAF 91.3, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and West Salem Springs, Oklahoma. You can also listen to us and all of our other KUAF signals at KUAF.com on your HD radio by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF, KUAF2, or KUAF3, or by accessing any of our signals through the free KUAF app. All right, before we go, I promised that I would give you the uh, phone number once again for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It is 800-273-8255. 800-273-8255. Timothy Dennis produced today's show. Contributors included Daniel Carruth, Matthew Moore, and Timothy Dennis. Additional material for today's show came from the news staff at KUAR, Public Radio for Central Arkansas. Our theme is titled The First Hurrah. It is written and performed by Daryl Sean. Daryl can often be found performing live on his Facebook and Instagram feeds. You can listen to Ozarks at Large on your schedule. We are a podcast, at least the daily versions of our show, for free through any podcast distributor. We will be back with you tomorrow at noon and 7 for a Wednesday edition of our show. From the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kelms. Please, please take care of yourself.